1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Hi guys, welcome back to the show. I'm Titus, your host, and I'm glad to have Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting on today. It's been a while, Elliot, since you've been on, but um, all of our schedules are busy and we're always crossing paths. I mean, we all talk through text and Marco Polo, but um, I just love having you guys on and I always love listening to your guys' podcast. If you guys haven't heard them, Duck Gun Podcast, Elliot Elliot and uh, Jordan Fromer from Duck Gun Chronicles, they host that podcast. And if you guys are looking for a good waterfowl podcast and, and other things too, listen to that. If you like duck dogs and duck hunting and and uh, stuff about life, I definitely suggest going there. Also check out Outdoor Limits. And should we throw Matt out there? Yeah, yeah. I'm not, uh, I don't take the same stance Jordan does. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I always laugh at you because I'm the same way. I was like, at some point I start feeling bad for Matt. And Matt never retaliates, Harley. I know. It's like, fight back, Matt. <laughs> do something. <laughs> so do you think that deep down in Matt, there's an annoyance level? Or do you think he just accepts it as like, oh, this is my buddy playing with me? Or is there somewhere in there like an, <sighs> an annoyed factor? I honestly almost think there's not. I just think Matt's so easy going. I just, I don't know. There could be. What do you think? I'm not sure. Matt's hard to read. I know they uh, spend a lot of time just hanging out and talking through Discord. Uh, so I guess I would assume there's not. I could never give someone that hard of a time over that long of a period because right. I would be worried that like there was actually down deep hard feelings. Because Jordan, <laughs> every chance he gets, uh-huh. he needles it, Matt. Every oh, chance he gets. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> like over the, like okay dude <laughs> yeah right, right okay now we Let's get your point out this relationship with yeah. some uh, positivity some, with man. some love or something <laughs> i know that if it were me it was that much it would get on my nerves yeah pro- probably but i don't know I, I as an audience i think it's hilarious i find it to be funny it is and like you said i don't th- I, I don't think it bothers Matt at all i guess i don't either relationship it's like you know every husband and wife have their own set mm-hmm. of standards how they treat each other i guess it's the same thing with friends yeah i think uh i think what it is is jordan's probably trying to find matt's breaking point and he ain't finding it so it's probably he's probably getting (laughs) jordan's goat more than he is matt's you know yeah probably so but uh anyways there's a lot of things i wanted to talk about and uh i already probably don't even have to do this but i i was uh running pretty late on this podcast and i don't want to take up any more time wasting any more time there's so many things i wanted to talk about um Last few podcasts you guys have had, there's been a lot there. Oh, I forgot to mention. So Matt's podcast is the Foul Front. He's taken over for Ben Page. 
Ben Page has been on here. I'm sure Ben will probably be um, on on and off that podcast, but Matt's pretty much running it. So check out the foul front. Um, uh, Ben's funny because actually we used to have a thing running. I don't know if you remember that, Elliot, but we used to go back and forth in our podcast because I I tested him one time. He's like, oh yeah, I listened to him. So I said something about the about him at the very end of the podcast. And he never responded. Couldn't find out. He didn't <laughs> listen to it. So we tested each other. We had to listen to each other's podcast all the way through after that point. That's but, funny. but anyways, I want to st- let's start off with the dog training. Um, tell us about Georgie, how she's been doing. She's a black black lab from Flatlander Kennels. Check out Elliot's videos, guys. But boy, she's I've always been so impressed with Georgie, and and now you're you're stepping it way up. I'm trying. Well, so Georgie's from Flatlander Kennels and Chris Jobin runs, owns and operates that place. And the thing that I am just, I've been around a lot of hunting dogs and I just truly believe that the breed of dogs that Jobin's got kicking out right now is just a special, special animal. I mean, she has as much drive hunting as any dog you'll ever see, Mm -hmm. but she's completely locked down steady, which is you know, they say about dogs, it's not a matter if they're going to break, but when, but she's, mm-hmm. she's on a streak of like in those hunt tests, I don't even worry about her breaking. Mm-hmm. And in the house, she's completely calm. She's a quick learner. I've never had a dog that is this type of breeding and it just blows me away. Quite Everything about this little dog just blows me away. She's just a spectacular little animal. Mm-hmm. Well, you can see it. I mean, on the videos, but <clears throat> it's interesting hearing that from you talking about her because the way you're saying it is what I'm going to imagine in my mind. Like you, you almost can't realize it, the difference in the power of the breeding until you mm. see it for yourself, huh? Yeah. Like, so I'm working on angled casts right now. For those of you who don't know, when you, uh, you have a dead bird, you don't know where it is, the blind, and you send the dog out, you blow the whistle, you can send them straight back, right and left, but then you have angle blind. So angle back, right, angle back, left. And I hadn't really done that. And so I'm just now incorporating that. And I I did like three training sessions with her of angled cast. And we got into that season test on the first line of the day. She went off mark a little bit. I blew the whistle, sat her. And I'm thinking, man, an angled cast would be perfect here. Mm, I'm like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to try it. And damned if that dog didn't take that angled cast perfectly. Really? Right now. She doesn't have angled cast down. In fact, yesterday in training, she was really struggling with it, but she took it perfectly. And it's just like, it just goes to my point of like, these dogs are so finely bred that they're just easier to train. They mm-hmm. learn quicker. They're just, it's a whole different deal than any other dog I've ever had. I'll tell you that. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about on the angle cast. Like I, I've not taught Rocky that, but I, you know, I do the left and the right and the back. I, I will say I never really slacked in training because I used Chris Aiken's DVDs. <clears throat> but one thing I did get lazy on at the very end was the right and left back cast, meaning turning over their left shoulder or the right. I right. just kind of was like, well, again, it's totally being lazy. But I was like, well, if she goes back, she goes back, or he goes back, he goes back. But it's not true because, I mean, it, it needs to be done right. So I've actually been doing a lot of off-season training, trying to get stuff, clean up stuff that I didn't really finished but he goes he goes back he just he does turn the right direction but he's not turning the right direction and and that's laziness on my part you know he yeah but really i mean the thing is like with rocky i've watched the videos his nose is unbelievable oh yeah he's not in test events so for for you and a dog like that 
that really doesn't make a difference. Yeah, that's true. I mean, how many times does Rocky lose birds on those? Like never, right? Never, yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> so you know how I was bragging to you two years ago, how you never last lost a bird the whole season. Yeah. He, uh-huh. we lost three last year, which still is unbelievable compared to what you do when you don't have a dog, you know? Right. Yeah. Three is good in a year as far as I'm concerned. I was looking at your numbers and I couldn't believe how few times you lose birds. Yeah. Uh, a couple, I think a month ago I was looking at, it, I was like, oh, cause I've never gone a year and didn't lose the bird. Yeah. And you, you virtually just don't lose birds at all. Mm-mm. It's, and it's incredible. There's, oh yeah. Well, I don't, we don't want to go about us and Rocky. I was trying to stay on your, <laughs> on you, but <laughs> it is, it is crazy. It's, there's so many different situations. I would not hunt in without a dog that I can hunt in mm-hmm. now. That's the, another, another good reason to have a dog, you know? Right. Yeah, absolutely. But so these, so what does Georgie has, have as of right now? I know she's got several ribbons now already. What's right. the process there, Elliot? So the way the HRC works, which is the Hunting Retriever Club, and they're combined with the United Kennel Club. I don't know if they're combined, oh. but I don't know, quite know the distinction. But it's United Kennel Club uh-huh. is where you register, but then the HRC are the hunt tests. Oh. Okay, let me ask so you she's at, Let me cut you off real yeah. quick. Okay. So Rocky's AKC. Okay. Is there... He's not allowed. Would he not be allowed to do the HRC? Would he be in another? He can do it, but he you cannot you cannot accumulate points and titles oh. if you're not registered with the UKC. That will go on the back of their name on the registration, right? So oh, if you look okay. up, if you so if you pass seasoned, if you get a seasoned title, then your the official name in the organization is HR, and then your dog's name. So Georgie is. Uh, FDH Georgie. So she's now HR FDH Georgie, which is hunting retriever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the finished would be HRCH, which is hunting retriever champion. Mm-hmm. And that takes a hundred points total. 60 of those points coming from the finished tests to oh, be wow. HRCH, which is my ultimate goal. And then beyond that, you've got the grand. And I think if you just even get one, yeah, you get one grand, then it becomes GR for grand. Mm-hmm. HRCH hunting retriever champion. So it's a grand hunting retriever champion. That's like the pinnacle. Right. And then every time you pass, it'll be like GR times one times two times three times four. So it shows how many, how many passes you have to do to get the whole thing. But my goal from the start has been finished. I just want to know when I got this dog from Chris Jobman, because I mean, we have like a a kind of a sponsorship partnership Mm -hmm. deal. Right. And so when I was talking to him on the phone initially, He's like, well, my concern with giving you a dog is I don't know your training level. Uh, what happens if you don't train the dog properly? And so that that just like rings in my head all the time. Totally. So it's like, all right, I'm going to make sure that he doesn't feel that way. Because I think of the world of that guy as far as, mm-hmm. you know, he and Chris Aiken. There's like a few names that pop mm-hmm. out in North mm-hmm. America. Freddie King. And and uh, if he said that to me and it's just like that that is what drives me. It's like, I want to make sure that guy feels like, wow, he's done a good job with this dog and representing Flatlander Kennels and, and all of that. So that's really why I got into it. So I want, to, I want to make absolutely sure that I have finished this dog to the level that it deserves to be finished. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I totally get that. That's a, that's a lot of pressure. I mean, in a good way, though, right? Like, right. I feel like when I was training Rocky, even though I was just using DVDs, I was calling Chris Aiken, he was, which is amazing about him that he would even take some random guy that's watching his DVDs and give you pointers and tips. But I, when you're putting yourself in front of a lot of people training a dog, that's something you've never done. It keeps you, um, 
uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, keeps you dedicated. <laughs> keeps yeah. you gets you off the couch. Yeah, it keeps you dedicated. And um, oh, there's another word I'm looking for, but accountable. It keeps you right. accountable. So yeah. that's such. But that's such a good. That's such an, a good accountability thing, though. You know, like yeah. for you to have that. That's so good for you. And I know you know that, but it's just that's so awesome. Um, so how many yeah. points does she have right now? So officially she has 20, but she should have 25. I didn't have her registered properly. So my limitations of time frame went, went away from the started. So let, let me just back mm-hmm. up a little bit. Started is five points. And in a started test, what they're basically testing is, is your dog steady? And can your dog retrieve the hand? Those are the two things they're looking at. Cause it's just like, it's one mark. So you shoot a, a fake gun or you know, a mm-hmm. blank not a fake gun, but just a blank. They do one mark out of a where a, a dead bird flies up, hits the land or the water, depending on whether it's morning or afternoon. Mm-hmm. Your dog goes and gets that one mark and back, and then you do a second one. So it's just two single marks, and that's all it is. That that's mm-hmm. so. And the, but your dog has to be steady and has to retrieve the hand. So any dog that can retrieve a duck can pass started as long as they will stay and be steady, and they'll sit and retrieved and uh, retrieved a hand. So that's five points. And then seasoned um, is a 10 point test. And on seasoned, you've got a double mark and they're not that far. They're only like 50 to 70 yards. Um, So you have two birds, one bird shoot, second bird shoot. And now you've got a blind, um, which is only normally about 50 to even sometimes 30 to 60 yards. And then you've got a walk up, which is, it's basically like a pheasant hunt where you're walking with your dog at mm-hmm. heel. Mm-hmm. They throw a bird up, you shoot, and the dog's got to be steady. So in seasoned, the main thing is just control and handling of your dog. Because, again, these marks and these blinds are not that difficult. Your dog does need to know whistle commands in this for the blind. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really not all that difficult. It's, it's, it's just can you control your dog mm-hmm. and does your dog take hand signals? And that's 10 points. Uh, and then – so four, 40 points will get you a season title. And so what did I say, Georgie? has 20. 20. She's got four, four. She's got 40, 40 points officially. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, 40. I, I didn't add in the last set. So each, she's, she's passed season four times. So 10 each. Mm. And then she's passed a started that was five, but I didn't get credit for those points. So mm. she's, at, she's at the 40, which is a season title. So she's HR, FDH Georgie now. And then with finish, so she's got the 40. So she just needs 60 more which would be four passes. And a pass is so like on a Saturday in the morning, you'll have land or water. And then in the afternoon, you'll have the opposite. So you do a training session on water and a, and a training session on land. And that would be Saturday. You have to pass both of those in order to get your 10 points. And then on Sunday, you do it again. So you can pick up 20 points on a weekend through seasoned. Mm. So two weekends a season, one in Nebraska, one in South Dakota. She passed all four of those. So that gave us awesome. 40 points for wow. season. So we'll be moving up to finished next year, next summer. So if she passes wow. four four days of those, then she'll have that title. That's awesome. Um, so that's, so I guess that's four separate ribbons, right? It, right. I've got four separate ribbons. Okay. And, and, yep. And then One now, now that gets updated, like on her genealogy, does that get added to the front of her name on a registration? Yes. And so that, it's a, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, and that that was just to say once it gets sent back to UKC, um, then they they'll put it on. You can go in and look at your dog, which you've already 
written in all the credentials and accredited, and then it'll have HRFDH Georgie and 40 points. Gotcha. Okay. Then I'm starting to think, I don't want to speak out of place, but I think I've seen, like I see the, the things that are in front of Rocky's name are at the end of it. And mm-hmm. for AKC, I think it is different. I think it says like junior and say like JR. Right. Hunt. So has Rocky been to some AKC tests? Nope. I haven't done it. And you know what? <clears throat> I was, I was so close two years ago when he was two and then I just waited long enough, and I remember talking to you about it, and you're like, ah, oh, they're never too old. And I've talked to other guy, local guys around here, like, don't worry about it, you know, because a lot of those dogs that are going to be out there are going to be young. Rocky's going to be right. five in November, and I just, I'm like, you know what? I'll just do it on the next one. I just, I just yeah. feel like it's, it's not, I know it's not too late, and everybody says, don't worry about it, but it's like, you know what? I'll just do it. I'm going to do it on the next one. I've got a couple ideas of where i'm gonna get my next dog um not 100 mm-hmm. for sure me and you've talked about it a little bit off air but anyways yep. how how's your nerves going into actually this? pretty good the, the first one i did which was started um i was really nervous um but i i went through it's just some mind routines for this first season test where it was like before i go up i just go through my mind i watch the guy in front of me and mm-hmm. i go through my mind the steps because there's a lot of things a handler has to do as far as gun safety and what exactly mm. that they want. So I would watch a couple people in front of me and just watch everything they're doing it and then go through in my mind. Okay, here's what you're going to do this, then do that, then move to here, put the gun shell in. And, and so I've actually to the point now where it's, it's, I don't feel overly nervous. It's really fun and it's an exciting feeling because everyone's watching you handle your dog. But now my first finish test, I'm sure I will be really, really nervous. Mm-hmm. But honestly, Georgie, after she did the first day of started, it's like she's three now, and I've been slow in my training. They were really, really easy for her. Yeah. I mean, she basically made almost no mistakes in any of those four days. So with with seasoned, it became apparent that she was. I think she could honestly. I think she could pass. I think I'm about seventy five percent sure she could pass a lot of the finish tests right now. She just hasn't done it. So I don't, it's hard to say, but I believe that she could. Mm. So these season tests have just felt so easy that it helps you not be so nervous, but you kind of want that nervous feeling because that's the adrenaline, you know, yeah, that's true. That's what's fun about it. Hmm. Do you, um, so when, so you're going to wait till next summer because hunting season's getting so close. So next summer is when you'll, right. you'll do the season. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't do any of this during once hunting season starts. Yeah, this is just fun in between. So I'll, right. there's three events I did this year, and so I'll do the same three next year. Now, if she passes um, the first two and has her title, I don't know if I'll just stop there or I don't know. I mean, I think I don't know if I could ever get her to the point where I could pass a grand, but I've got some really good resources around me, and uh, right. I'm not shutting that door. Right. You just have to see. I I don't know if there would be naysayers because you talked to some guys about grand champs and there's just, you, they, I don't know. I haven't heard a lot of negative things about it, but it like, almost seems like, oh, if you're not a professional, it's not something you can do. But I don't, I don't, I believe yeah. anything's possible. I'm sure there's people that have done it, but I have heard it's very hard. Right. I know a guy I hunted with last year that's an amateur and he got his dog right to the last test. I don't remember what it was, but and she got right to the end and failed the very last thing and didn't pass. I know some amateurs do it. There's like a 20% pass rate at the grand. So to enter the grand, you have to have a season or a finished title. So anyone that has their HRCH can enter the grand whenever you want. Mm. So I, and 
So I can, I will be able to enter her. It's just, I'm not going to do it unless I think there's a reasonable chance of her passing. Right. I mean, even with these pros, there's only like a 20% success. That's crazy. Right. Wow. Right. 20%. I didn't, I didn't realize like, it was that low. Yeah. My goodness. It's ridiculously low. I think that Jobman told me, and don't quote me on this, that he was passing about half of his dogs, I believe, something like that, maybe a little more. But that's like, you know, you're up to talking about the dress, best trainers in North America, right. like 50 50, where they're training these dogs every day. It's hard. It's hard. Your dog has to, has to do everything just perfect. That's and what I was going to ask you. Is there room for error? Like what you're doing, Georgie, do they allow any mistakes? I think it varies a little bit, but I had a guy telling me that, like, you know, on a blind, his dog, they just want absolute precision. So his dog got just barely up on this peninsula of land instead of going straight by in the water it's just like flunk mm. i mean it's like Jeez. they don't allow and they they set it up in a way that they know are there okay i think the dog is dogs are going to struggle on this one well the thing is when you have this high level of training you have to make these tests so hard that you can like weed people out true so that's you can't why just it's give like, that away right right so they just make it super difficult but i've i've never actually watched one i need to get on youtube because i'm sure they have them on there Mm. and watch them but they make them hard yeah I've, I've watched a couple it's been a while but you know what i'm so impressed with and i'm sure georgie's way better at this than rocky and this is one thing i've really fought him with because and again i think it's because of the drive in the dog itself is mm -hmm. like the strong urge to run in that straight line until you whistle stop them or until they find that bumper and i'm talking like two, three, 400 yards. Like Rocky will get out right. to that 200 yard mark. Mm -hmm. But it's like, man, I, I just, these dogs that I've seen, boom, they go flying off the bank into the water, swim up the bank, jump off the next bank, swim up, on, get up on the bank. And they're just still, they're 300 yards out there going in a dead straight line until they're told right. otherwise. I'm like, that's insane. Yeah. yeah I just yeah, don't think I could ever get Rocky that to that. Right now. <laughs> no? What, yeah. Does she kind of short stop at like a certain yardage? Yeah, it depends on the day. There are some days that she'll take that line and go straight. Uh, but I haven't worked her much beyond like 150 yards mm -hmm. much just because I haven't needed to. Right. But you, I see it in her head, you know, as they're running, you they're looking, tell. they're sniffing. They're, she just gets into a mode of I'm not just going straight because I'm told to. I'm kind of going that direction, but I'm mm -hmm. sniffing and looking around and waiting, you know. Mm -hmm. And so we just need we need to go back to next year. I'll start at Pattern Blinds. And just extending, she needs she needs more pattern blind work. She yeah. she really does. But I mean, even in those tests, though, you don't get counted off for blowing your whistle. If mm. you blow your whistle fifteen times, you're fine. It's just every cast needs to keep your dog going towards the bird. Mm. So if your bird if your dog gets way off and you have to do like a straight over command, that's no no good because oh. now you're commanding your dog to go in a direction that's not straight towards the bird. Oh. But as long as your dog will take your whistle cast and go the way you tell them they won't they don't count off on that you just got to keep them inside this line now if you get up to the grand and they're doing too, too much zigzagging then then yeah you're in in trouble but mm. fin if season and finished um as long as they're going towards the bird when you command them you're you can blow it as many times as you want on your blinds hmm. wow that's interesting there's, there's so much to it we could probably talk we, well honestly we could talk about this a whole episode but Right. I did want to get into some other stuff. Um, is there any, before we leave this topic, is there any advice or tips that you would have for anybody out there thinking about it? 
yeah, I would say go find uh, the HRC club close to you. Um, get to know those people. They'll typically have training days where you can just go out, watch, size your dog up a little bit. And they will, at least in my experience, they're really good at like, okay, where's your dog at? Now we're going to do a practice just for your dog at your dog's level. And these HRC people are wonderful people. But then go to an actual test and just watch before you ever enter it. Just watch mm-hmm. and see what are the expectations what 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 do they want from me and just watch a day um and then just get to it and it's 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 fun a lot of fun i know <clears throat> talking about it makes me just still want to go do it i i really should but maybe you should not- just go watch one just yeah go watch one. i should you, because i'll tell you what would be a benefit to you is when you get your new dog if you and rocky just did a couple tests so you understood what your job was a little better mm-hmm. and then that way when you get a new dog you don't have to go through the learning process of mm. for you that's true you're just ready to jump right in that's true i didn't think about that that was help- a big handler learning curve from mm. especially from start of the season there's a lot you know the things that they want you to do as a handler and that's it's that's that's a big part of it is just learning that maybe you're right that is a good idea that way i don't go into it cold turkey with a high level mm-hmm. dog right huh Okay, well, that's that's good tips, and that's that's encouraging to me. I'm going to think about that. But next thing I want to talk about, and I don't think I've told you guys this at all, but um, and I get why you're doing it, but I'm going to call it freelance hunt stats. I've talked about this a lot of times on this podcast, um, how we track that stuff, and mm-hmm. there's different reasons behind it, and it's something that you started. How long ago did you start this freelance hunt stats to track birds and stuff? Uh, what year was that? Well, the, the um, I think this is year three or four of it, where it's actually been available to the public. Oh, really? I was doing the same thing on a spreadsheet mm. since 2007. Okay. I've been doing the same thing myself, but I had oh, the website developed. Gosh, I'm kind of losing track of the years. Three or four, five years ago. It's been available to the public for quite a while. That's what I thought. Well, <clears throat> so... You guys recently just changed the name. Kind of tell us, kind of start at the beginning and, and roll into what you guys are do. What's, well, let me say this. So I'm getting all over the place because I'm really interested in this and I really like this. And there's some things I want to say about it because I guess from hearing your guys' podcast talking about how people feel about things, it almost kind of got me spun up a little bit too, listening to you because we have a lot of the same mindset of things. Mm-hmm. And one of them is how people kind of make a big deal about like, it's not a competition. It's not a this and that. And that kind of, I, I, I think we both agree to that in a sense. Um, there's nothing wrong with competition and it's not unethical, right? But how I look at the app and it's a different name now, and we'll talk about that. So stay, stay with us. But, um, I like it. Personally, it's not about the competition. That's a little side, little cherry on top. That's kind of fun to watch everybody's numbers. But why I like it is because it has weather and why birds did. And if it was sunny or cloudy or windy or rainy or snowy temperatures, I like to go back. I've already got, I think, three years now. And I love going back, looking at the certain refuges or the certain places or the certain onyx points and seeing like this is how it was and this is why it was good. So it's a record and what the birds I shot and how they acted. That's why I like it because I like keeping track of that. So why don't you tell us what's going on now with it? It was Freelance Hunt Stats. It's, it's got a new name now. And what's your guys' plans for it? 
Right. Let me add into a couple of things that you've said real quick, because, you know, uh, this whole thing of people getting so mad about social media and everything, I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Yeah. And, and I just want to say to people, it's like, why? Well, it's not about why. To you, why, why are you so mad that mm-hmm. some 21 year olds putting pile pics on Instagram? Why do you care? Mm-hmm. Why, why? Well, because they're not, they're not happy unless they shoot a limit. Why do you care? Right. Affecting your emotions. It's their emotions They're And I don't agree with that, but it's like, why? Unless they're taking unethical shots, yep. it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It only matters if they're taking unethical shots or acting unethical in the field. And who's to say, because some 21 year old isn't happy unless he shoots a limit. How do you, you can't make that connection into him being un- unethical in the field. And I think there's like these narratives that start to play out mm-hmm. within within groups it's like oh social media has been the worst thing that's ever happened for auto hunting why tell me why that is why do you think that is well these kids they they're not happy unless they shoot a limit what do you care what do you care what that kid feels like how does that affect you right yeah you're right so i've just kind of come to that within the last like because there's there's always what made that click in your head elliot though because i'm i'm totally with you on that and I think we've almost found ourselves fall in that rut. Maybe I'll speak for myself. I don't know about you, but you, I've never really thought that about the younger generation at all. I mean, I'm 38, but like, I'm, I've never thought that about the 16, 18 year olds. The only thing that's bothered me if they're doing something weird or stupid in the picture where it's like, dude, that you need to treat that, that. And I know that's what you're saying. That waterfowl, that there, that elk with respect, you know, like you, you yes. harvest it. That's not what you're saying at all. Like you're no. saying is the fact that people are griping because they posted a picture of a limit. And it's like, and you could, if you're not careful, you almost fall in that rut. Like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Let's, well, let's worry about the pictures of the sunsets and the sunrises. But it's like, you're right. What? Isn't it a, uh, we're in a country that's a free country that we're supposed to allow what makes us happy. We can boast that. What, right. Like you said, why does it matter? Why does it matter that they, yeah. they do that? Well, it clicked you. in my head. It clicked in my head when, as we're doing these leaderboards for freelance hunt stats, which the leaderboards are, if you don't know, each bird has been given a, a point value. So like a canvas back, I think is seven or eight, a mallard drake is five. And then after the end of your hunt, you get a little scorecard, which gives you a total number of points. And then that points is counts towards total. And then you've got, so we've got leaderboards and Matt was the winner last year of who has the most points. Mm -hmm. And in time, you'll be able to sort by flyways, state, you might be able to do it just by mallards. And so it's just a fun way to compete. Now, I will say that in doing this, I am nervous that if we take go with too far with these leaderboards Mm -hmm. and we turn into some, because Jordan's talking about like one-on-one online matching. Like straight out, like, okay, I'm going against this guy today. Mm-hmm. And if I win, my record will be one and oh, right? Mm-hmm. My fear is that people will start taking unethical shots as a result of getting so into the game. Out of desperation, so, yeah. Right, right. And so that's where it connects to me of like, okay, that's bad. Mm-hmm. As long as what we're doing doesn't connect to unethical hunting, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not bad. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, you've seen my shot selection. Mm-hmm. I've been oh, yeah. doing these. I've been doing these games. My dad and I have been doing them for years. Mm-hmm. It hasn't changed my shot selection at all. So same with me though, Elliot. Because last year, you know, um, a little, every I'll put my hunts in, and then I'll go look at the leaderboard, and you're just kind of seeing, you know, like you said, there's this few people that are always at the top, 
And mm. I'll tell you this right now, Elliot. Um, I'm not a mallard purist or anything like that at all. I love shooting mallards. It's my favorite bird to hunt. They're so smart to me. But I never, and again, don't anybody listen to this, don't take this wrong. I, I There's nothing wrong. I've shot plenty of buffalo heads. I've shot plenty of ringnecks. I've shot plenty of other type of birds. I have nothing nor any problem with that. But there's sometimes when I know maybe I can shoot uh, six mallards and a pintail in California. That's, you know, we, we can shoot the seven birds. If if I know that I have a high chance of doing that, I'm going to pass on ringnecks. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear which is why Midway USA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Mm-hmm. Now, if I right. walk away from there with only five ducks, and I knew I passed up a bunch of ringnecks, I will not. I still won't shoot that, not because I'm better than that, but I'm like, I walk away from there like, oh, well. I don't, I'm not shooting yeah. two ringnecks because I'm so desperate to get points to get higher up on the leaderboard. I've never even right. thought that. That's never this whole setup that you guys do because I've been part of it for like three years, I think, and uh, I've never did that. It's never created in me. I've got to take these unethical shots, or I've got to shoot. I got to get my seven birds because I got to get my points. I've never thought that, and yeah. I think it comes down to the each individual individual person, right? Yeah, it absolutely comes down to each each individual person. So every time, every time we post something about the leaderboards, you will get a guy or two yeah. that's just like, oh, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to waterfowl hunting. Mm. That's not what waterfowl hunting's about. And that, that's when it just clicked in me. It's like, says who? Right. Just because you are one, because person A thinks that, well, it ought to be about being with your friends and it ought to be about, well, that's for you. Mm. How, why are you telling other people how mm-hmm. it should be for mm-hmm. them as long as they're not acting unethical like we said before quit being an elitist snob and telling other people how they should feel yeah now for me personally i definitely want to enjoy if i if i have a day where i've got two groups of mallards that come in and we shoot four birds and though and they mm-hmm. finished beautifully and perfectly mm-hmm. i'm thrilled yeah now, a lot of it depends on ex- on ex- on expectation. If there's birds everywhere and I'm expecting to shoot a limit, mm-hmm. then I might feel like, man, that wasn't as good as I thought. Mm-hmm. Or if I don't think it's going to be very good, and but so I have lots of hunts that aren't very good that I'm just elated with. But that's me. That's how I feel. Right. And I can't put that on other people and say you should feel like this and you should feel like that. It's like relax, man. Don't tell everyone else how they should feel. Right. Right. Because oh, yeah. 
Oh man, you could you could do I could do a whole podcast on this too. Here, here's a here's <laughs> right. a prime example. Um, I I really I feel bad for my buddy, but I don't. I think you need to. When, me and you've been doing the social media thing. When I say social media, YouTube, social media, right? Mm, kind of right. in a way, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Totally. But uh, <clears throat> uh, we've been doing it long enough. I think we let things go way easier than we probably did at the beginning, right? Like oh, comments would used to steam me. And I would yeah. respond. Now I don't even do. I laugh at it now, and I legitimately, purely, genuinely laugh. Like, uh, who cares, right? Yeah. Um, but last year, so I kind of felt bad. Uh, his name's Braden. He's from well, he's from California, but he moved to Utah several years ago because of uh, college, and they didn't stand there. But our goal was when we went hunting last year, took the boat, and we went out of state. Um, our goal was to shoot all green limits. Now. That was just our preference. It didn't mean we were elitists or that hens are bad to shoot, blah, blah, blah. I shoot plenty of hens. But that was just a goal because we knew there was enough birds we could do that. So why not try? It's just a goal, right? Well, mm-hmm. in the video, and I'm the same way. Like I'm, I'm, I guess uh, it wasn't like it was competition between us, but there was so many hundreds of birds. It was insane. And it was snowy and it was just, there was just mallards everywhere. And I totally misidentified the bird because it was a little bit overcast at the moment. And I had the silhouette and I shot it and he's all, that was a hen. And he wasn't mad at me for shooting him. He was mad that I, for me, like. Right. Cause he knew the goal. He knew the goal and he knew that was going to make me mad because they did their seven green heads. And I was so mad. Well, I, you know, I guess maybe I didn't put the part in there where I was kind of beating myself up enough to people, people were going off on him in the video. Yo, you're, what do you think? You're so good. Cause all you shoot is Drake's and da, 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 da. And, and I never responded to him, but he was like, man, they ate me alive in there. I was like, yeah, dude, that's the, that's social media, man. Like it, and it, again, like I said, it, we lost him. I have to call him back. Probably lost service. Hopefully his phone didn't die. Bet you it did. It's not even ringing now. I'll let him call me back. But to everyone that's still, you know, listening. Um, so whatever it is that you do, if you want to shoot seven hen buffies or if you want to shoot. Um, it's funny because there's people on both sides of the fence. Hopefully L gets his phone plugged in and charged. I think that's what happened. But um Whoever's on both sides of the fence. So I've shot uh, a, a good, you know, I think a, like a quality bird, a couple, and then I go shoot a, a Drake Buffy, and there's a video I have in it. People run in their mouths because I shot a Drake Buffy. But then when you when you go shoot six greenheads, and then, you know, they think, oh, you're, oh, you're just, all you shoot, you're a purist, you're, you know, you're elite, blah, blah, blah. It's like, man, either side of the fence. Um, you kind of just get bashed. So it's like, we can't sit around worrying about what other people think and about trying to please everybody. Hopefully Elliot gets, gets another phone or gets his phone plugged in. I bet you he's probably panicking right now. Kind of feel bad because we'll give him a second to give me a phone call back. Uh, This is a good moment to jump in and say, Hey, uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. We're trying to get to a thousand subs. We're growing. We're getting closer and closer to 900. Um, the podcast is doing great on the charts, all because of you guys, because of your um, 
going to Apple Podcasts, leaving a review, rating the podcast. Spotify, you guys are rating. I think we're up to like 114 or something on ratings. So all these things are just because of you guys. You guys make it grow and make it popular, and we get better guests on all the time, different ones. It's It's been really good. Um, The last episode we did, episode 199, was a... Uh, I shouldn't say the last one, two episodes ago, but 199 was an incredible episode with Vanessa Perales, used to be Carpenter, tells a horror story. You you guys really should go listen to it, even if you're duck hunters or whatever and you're not into the other stuff. You really, it's it's like a living horror story. And, um, but in the end, the message of hope and love comes through and prevails. I'm going to text Ellie and see if it even goes through I bet you his phone died. Guaranteed. Huh. Maybe he doesn't have no service. There it goes. Hey, all of a sudden your voice was just gone and I was still on the call and then it just dropped. Oh, really? Because mine just instantly dropped. Weird, but yeah. So I already kind of kept going and kept it kept it rolling while I was trying to reconnect with you. But I was just saying, it's okay. If you you could go shoot straight five or six straight mallards, and then people are commenting in the videos, "Oh, you're a purist. You think you're best." Then you got the guys on the flip side that if you go shoot a hen buffy, that they're like, "Oh, you're shooting trash birds." So you cannot live trying to please everybody, right? Because they're gonna be out there, like you said. Picking on these young guys and the young generation, how I mean, how does that look for the older guys to be doing that to the young guys? That don't put a good taste in their mouth. No, everyone, everyone, no, well, not everyone. There's just so many people that are ready to make discouraging comments. I mean, one of the things that I've gotten torn up about is my shot selection because I pass up so many shots. Mm-hmm. I mean, even like, I don't know if you uh, watched Josh's review video of mine from the other day, but he was getting frustrated at my shot selection as well. And, and I, Josh didn't do anything that upset me at all, Right, right. but it's just a common thing. And I'm like, man, listen, sometimes, you know, the expression act like you've been there before. Right. Mm-hmm. If, if I know that it's a day where you could shoot 10 limits mm-hmm. in a hole, mm-hmm. why do I need to rush? Mm-hmm. Why do I have to pull the trigger at every shot that, that comes by? Yep. Well, I mean, we shot on that particular hunt, we shot a three man limit in an hour. And it's like, there comes a point where, you know, it's on and it's not going away. Yep. Why rush? Why, why not? Why not take your dream shot every time? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And same thing on that teal and Georgie's first hunt. There was so many teal that we were just taking our time and picking out one here and picking out one there. There were so many people that were frustrated and I'm like, what? Relax. And Jordan, Jordan thinks it's because like, other states just don't ever people don't ever see those hunts. I do. And so agree it's that. like get it, get it, get it, get it, get it. Mm-hmm. Like Jordan's in a position where he's, he's got to pull the trigger and everything. He sees. Most of the time. Okay, but that goes right. You said this. My buddy says this. Kevin, he says it all the time. I'm like, dude, it's so true. You already said it. Act like you've been there before, and that's not an insult. Telling people act like you've been there before. What is what? It, what you're saying to me is, and the term means to me is, if you've been there enough times in those amazing situations. You will be more like that, but yeah. if though if those never happen to you, and it could be because of where you hunt, could be the flyway you're in, it could be all these different things. 
you are going to act like that. And I, I mean, there's a big difference in myself. I've been hunting for a long time, but I don't feel like I started getting to be a better water fowler and really pushing myself to be better, better caller, better shot selector, better hunter till probably like five years ago. Mm-hmm. And, um, I still get excited when I shoot duck, when they do it right and all these things, but I'm not screaming like I, not, that's kind of a little bit exaggeration, but I'm not hooping and hollering and dancing around for every little thing like I maybe did five, right. 10 years ago. You know what I mean? Right, right. So, yeah. I, I totally see what you're saying. And that I, I, I do agree when I've heard Jordan say that. I totally agree with him. They just haven't had that opportunity. So it kills them to know, like, that's a dream for me. But you've right. been there several times, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, take it in. And that's especially true on teal hunts which I know you, I don't know how many of these types of hunts you got in with Matt out in Nebraska. Sometimes a teal hunt can be done in 20 minutes oh, yeah. and it becomes so fast and furious that your heart rate is, is increasing yeah. and you can't mentally absorb anything because it's like, there's a bird shot there, shot there, shot there, shot there. And you're like out of breath. And, and it's like, you, you're exhausted when it's over versus being like, okay, we don't have to relax. Everyone take yeah, a deep breath. Yeah. Let's just shoot a couple birds, let the dogs get them and reset. Yeah. We don't, that's not, a, it's not a speed race. Oh. It's not, you know, you know, there's no bonus point for limiting out in 15 minutes versus 45. Mm-hmm. Let's relax a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, what video was that Elliot? That was that last year on that till hunt that you went with your buddy in the corn. It was two years ago. It was, it was up two, in Nebraska. Wow. And I'm hoping to go back to that place at some point. Cause it's like this cornfield. And then the, it's irrigated, and there's this little strip, um, some type of little waterway right in between the corn, full of this like green vegetation. And it was it, it even though it wasn't a mallard hunt, it ranks up there as one of my favorite. There was two days hunts of my entire life. It was just so cool the way the birds were in there. It was amazing. Well, how perfect of an environment for Georgie too as her first season. Right. Yeah. What, and that's no, we went season, real right? slow. That was our first hunt. So, and um, Ben's dog was only the second year and still wasn't fully steady. So mm-hmm. we we're like, okay, one person shoot at a time. Yep. There's we had one person on the camera, one person shooting at a time. I so love we could that. Be slow with the dogs and oh. oh, but I took so much crap because you because you, t- you were taking turns, huh? Because <laughs> we were passing up shots and oh my guess. and especially when it's my dad's turn to shoot. I mean, he's. You know, he's almost yeah. 80. Yeah. So he, he passes up stuff that I get frustrated about. I'm like, <laughs> I know it's funny. I'm like, come on, Carl, <laughs> shoot, Carl, he, shoot. <laughs> does it the way he wants to hey, do it, man. And he's you know? happy. Yeah. Right. No, I love that video because me and my brother do that when we hunt together. Cause you're like, you guys are like me. I believe you like hunting solo up to three max. Like, yeah, that's yeah. just, I now longer ago, we used to do with more than that. But you looking back now, and there's not, again, there's nothing wrong with that. It's different settings, different people, whatever you want right. to do. But like, you miss more shots. That's one of the other things you guys talked about is you miss more shots because you're rushing mm-hmm. shots. Right. And me and Thomas, when we go out there, we take turns, you know, and that's just, I shoot better. I And I think that's part of why my, this year, Elliot, you, you probably noticed I've never tracked my numbers, but um, yeah. as far as shooting percentages, but this year, I, me and Thomas, let's see if he'll do it. But I for sure am. I said, let's do it, dude. Not because it's we're fine. trying to shoot better, but I really want to know because I'm telling you right now, I did. I had a, um, I had a seven for eight day last year, and I had lots of um, seven birds for ten shells, and mm-hmm. a lot. I would say majority of the time it was probably fourteen 
out of seven, so 50%, I guess. But obviously, I had days where I shot a whole, almost a whole box. Like, I, oh, that was my goal is never to shoot over a box. But right. anyways, um, I'm tracking it this year. And I know we kind of diverted, but let's go back. So what are you guys changing the name to? What's going on with the website and all that stuff? So we had it turned into an app, which is on iPhone and Android. So right now, if you search Hunt Stats, it'll pop up. It's a little orange square with a white silhouette of a of a duck in it. And we decided, well, when I first started, I was all into the statistics. And I've just kind of decided that the word stats or statistics, just kind of some people just hear that word and they don't get a good emotion out of it right away. Mm-hmm. So we wanted just to change all of the graphics on the site mm-hmm. and change the name of it and narrow down to just waterfowl hunters. So there's really not that many good journal journaling type of apps available. Like mm-hmm. if you look at the, at the DU one, which is what most people use, it's garbage. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just not user friendly. Oh, it it doesn't do much. Yeah. And so I feel like we've got the best product out there for waterfowlers to journal their hunts and what they're doing. So we were thinking about names for it and we just went around a lot. And we're just like, North, there's something cool about North American waterfowler. Mm-hmm. It's like, if you are a North American waterfowler, this is the place you want to go to keep track of everything that involves. And we're adding pictures here. Like it's, we've got a developer working on it right now. So you'll be able to upload a picture uh, for your different hunts. And, and we just really felt like that was a good change. And, and we're, um, we've licensed some, and I'll tell you that if you don't know the name of the guy, I, I don't want to tell it on air, but I'll tell you who it is off air. You probably know who it is, mm-hmm. but we've licensed um, artwork for the site, and it's just going to, I think it's just going to look fantastic. It's just going to look very, very cool. We're I cannot about wait. It. I cannot wait. <clears throat> uh, so it's North American Waterfowler? Right. It will it'll probably now we haven't changed it yet, but it'll probably be the North American Waterfowler.com. Okay. Um and so yeah, the North American Waterfowler. And, or North American Waterfowler for the name of it. Okay. And are you changing anything are you changing the app face too, or is that, that gonna stay the same? Just the name changes or no, we we will change the the look of the app okay. um icon as well. So all of the graphics, the report card or the 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 scorecard at the end of each hunt will be totally overhauled where so the idea is it'll be like if you shoot let's say you have your all mallard day then on your scorecard just a cool artistic picture of a mallard will show up Mm. at the top of it Mm. and then it'll have your numbers in the middle and then you can attach a picture to it Mm. and then you can share that off to instagram or facebook or oh cool uh, that's the idea yeah we're also adding it's just a matter of how quick the developers get it done because this is side jobs for them so we've got 30 hours a month basically taking place but um we want to change the update the leaderboards so you can keep track of like dog retrieves and yeah uh, oh my gosh the list is a mile long of things we want to add it's just a matter of time hmm. that's awesome um that was one thing thomas my brother had mentioned it's like man i wish there was a place to put in the picture because he likes snapping a photo mm-hmm. after every hunt so he has a documentation visually right. of of you know what he shot even though he tracks numbers he did he did good about tracking his his birds last year too and stuff so you know as far as the shooting percentage goes you know the best thing about keeping your shooting percentage and that is not for a lot of people some people Mm -hmm. just don't want the hassle of it but i think it's the most ethical thing you can do because what happens is if you get into your shooting percentage what happens is you stop taking that third flailing shot yep and that shot three 
And now if a bird's wounded, I always take shot three. If a bird looks wounded, right. shot three is coming out. Mm. But if it's like, oh, whiff on shot one and shot two, and now I'm frustrated and I'm throwing a 70-yard shot out there on shot mm. three, which it, if you're tracking your shooting percentage, that shot, that's the number one key to shooting a better shooting mm-hmm. percentage is yeah. not shooting that third shot. And so ethically, if you keep your uh, shooting percentage, you will have a better shot selection. Mm-hmm. Totally. Because I was doing that without tracking it last year. I was trying to see how little of shells I could shoot. And I passed up a lot of shots. I normally maybe wouldn't. But this time I was very picky on what I shot. And that's probably, that's what did it. I'm sure. Right. You know, I only pull the trigger on shots that I'm mad if I don't miss. Yeah. So if it's like, uh, if, I, if I'm like, well, I'm going to give this a try, I don't pull the trigger. I want, because I, I can't, I'm soft hearted and I cannot stand the thought of wounding birds. I just <laughs> cannot stand it. And so I just, every time I pull, I'm only gonna pull the trigger is if I feel really confident on that shot. Or like I said, if you know, the bird's wounded, then you have to just unload on. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there was something else I wanted to bring up about that app. Um, well, I already kind of mentioned it, but I mean, just the fact that you can attract the weather, uh, wind, um, all those different things, those are huge things and tracking and making you more successful down the road this upcoming concert season will be all about the boots and tecovis is your stop for the best in western style tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer including men's and women's boots apparel hats bags and more all tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Yep. I've got a little hole that I just started hunting last year, this little timber hole. And if you're from Arkansas, you probably will chastise me saying it's not a timber hole, but they love doing that. <laughs> is there but, timber uh, in it, Elliot? Is there right. timber? Well, it doesn't matter. If it's not in Arkansas, it's not a timber hole. <laughs> I know. Timber holes only exist in Arkansas. Oh, my word, dude. But I just went back the other day, and I sorted the um, hunt stats just by hunts in that hole. and I Because I had one hunt in there that was by far better than anything else. So I was, t- I was looking at patterns. I was like, okay, what about this day made it better than all the other days because all the other days was about the same number of birds in there but this one day they just come came in it's like oh southwest wind at 13 to 20 Mm -hmm. and so i that was only one hunt but after five years it may be that that one hole is just better for whatever reason Mm -hmm. on a southwest strong wind Mm -hmm. you know and so once you get a bunch of data in there you can say where should i hunt today well it's a southwest wind i bet those birds Mm -hmm. are going to be dropping in that hole and that's Mm -hmm. one of the really beauties of once you accumulate a bunch of data and there you can do those kinds of things 100 mm-hmm. i love it and like i said you guys if you haven't you really need to check it out um it to me it just it's priceless information and it makes it so easy because i used to do stuff on the computer too elliot several years ago 
and it would just get to be tiresome. But the way we are mm-hmm. with our phones now, it's always right by our side. As soon as you're done hunting, you're, you're changing or you're walking back. You can just punch those numbers in real quick and say, okay, you know, again, uh, <clears throat> the cherry on top, the little bonus is like, oh, there's a little competition there. But the real key to me is the fact that you're tracking all these things, like Elliot said, and that you can go back and look and find out where you need to be with what winds, you know, sun or overcast, any of that. That's is huge. Um, man, we're getting, we're almost to our hour right now. And I, I know you, you got some family stuff. Dare I walk into the <laughs> sub gauge <laughs> topic? Oh, if you want to, yeah, I don't <laughs> care. That might get too long. We're already at fifty-two minutes. I don't know if we. I should. don't care, man. I, I once you get me talking waterfowling, you know, it's like <laughs> I, I don't care. Whatever, let's go. <laughs> oh, I've been wanting to talk about this for uh, uh, since I heard you guys a while back talking about it. So, so, match shoots a twenty-eight gauge. I just bought one this year. Um. It's not for everybody, and I don't think anybody, a lot of people would even want to mess with that. But what are your thoughts on, I guess, what the big word now is sub-gauges? Because, you know. Right. What, what's your, well, what? I mean, do you think a 20-gauge is a sub-gauge? Is anything, le- like, where's yeah, the line? Where's- yeah, I, I think a 20-gauge is a sub-gauge, but I definitely see a 28-gauge differently than I look at a 20-gauge. Oh, well, so, let me ask you this, Elliot, though, because everybody a long time ago used to shoot 10 gauges. So is a 12 a sub? Because it's not, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. what is the actual definition defining point for that? Do you know? You know what? <sighs> or is it I looked preference? it up online. I, I, okay, so when I think of a sub gauge, I don't think of a 20 gauge. Okay. I think of 28 and below. Okay. But I know I looked it on, I looked it up online and they were saying that it, sh- that it does count as, but uh, you know what? Right now I'm just deciding. I think in my definition, no, a 28 is not a sub gauge. Mm. What about I think, 16? Because a 16 is between a 28 and a 20. Probably, yeah. Then, yeah, I would call anything below a 20. Oh, no, in my I'm mind, sorry. I no, it's not. I, I don't know why. 16 in between 12 it, yeah, and 20. Yeah, right? 12 and 20, yeah. So you won't look at that then, obviously, as a sub-gauge either. Okay, so here's how I'll think of it this way. I would never complain about any individual shooting a 20-gauge. Mm-hmm. But there are individuals that I would complain about them shooting a 28-gauge. I think a 20-gauge can do basically the same thing that a 12-gauge can. Mm-hmm. I don't think a 28-gauge can. Okay, let me it's ask you this. Just, so do you have a problem with 28-gauges, or do you just – certain people that you you think shouldn't be shooting them i have a problem with 28 gauges for the masses really i would yeah i don't think that it's for everyone because i don't think that a lot of people have the kind of commitment Mm -hmm. to shooting closer shots i've never done ballistics on it myself and but my understanding after reading articles before Jordan and I talked about it was everyone that I read said with a 28 gauge you have to shoot show closer shots. You so like Matt was saying Matt doesn't shoot above 25 yards at a use with his 28 gauge. Mm-hmm. Okay, how many people out there you think are willing to actually live that out in the field? No, the majority's not, not going to. Mm-mm. The majority's not. And I, so I don't want. Your college guys, your fad hunters, not that all college guys are fad hunters. Okay, let's, let me re-say that. Yeah. I don't want people buying 28 gauges because it's a fad. Because it is becoming a fad. You know that because Benelli mm-hmm. said due to the um, increased – I don't know how they worded it. But they're basically like, okay, 28 gauges, everyone's loving them, so we made one. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, it's becoming a, a big thing. Mm-hmm. And so there's people that are going to buy it just because it's a big thing. Yep. yep. Just totally. like some other brands I won't name. We know who the trendy brands are. Right. right, in Waterfowl. right, right. And people go out and buy it just because, oh, look at me. I'm yeah. wearing this or look at me. I'm using this decoy because mm-hmm. everyone else is. And you could I bet you we made a list of three companies. You and I would name the same people. Yeah, I guarantee you. And there's nothing wrong with buying those. It's no. great marketing. But there's just a certain type of person that wants to buy what's considered cool. Yeah, right? it gives you that ambiance when you buy it, like, oh, yes. I'm part of this. Yeah, totally. Right. And if people do that with 28 gauges, we're going to, we already have a, I call it waterfowl's dirty little secret. No other sport wounds the kind of birds that waterfowl hunters do. A hundred percent. What Do you know no, the numbers I mean, on that, Elliot? Because I think you guys have mentioned them before. Can give or take? Can you? I, I, well, okay. One out of every three fire shells fired ends in a wounded bird wow. based on a study that was done in the early eighties by Tom Roster. And that's what the, the whole study is fascinating, but that that's what they were saying. One out of every three shots, the whole article was about how many birds are wounded. Lots of times you send birds flying away with shells mm-hmm. with shot in it and you can't, you don't even know. Right. If you shot fire three times at the same duck, there's a great likelihood yeah. that it's flying away with shells in, with shot in it. Now it may, it may survive. It may not, but it's a, huge problem that that the industry just ignores. Yep. People don't talk about it. I mean, people give lip service to it. Well, but still, when you yeah. got hunting with people, you still see unethical shots all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm not perfect. I don't mean to make right. myself out like perfect. Well, I, I can think specifically of, um, uh, well, not last year, but maybe it's two or three years ago, that I took a shot. I was so furious at myself. Like, why did I do that? It was It was totally an emotional, you get in an emotional state Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if I wounded the bird or not, but it was like the point, the fact that I pulled the trigger, like, why did I even do that? You know, um, I don't, I don't struggle with that as much anymore or at all, but I think it was totally an emotional you, cause what happens is people get in a bad hunt day and then they get more desperate, more desperate, right. more desperate. And we all do that. Right. We all do that. So. Yeah. So if we're all going to make mad decisions, some let's make those decisions with the 12 gauge. Yeah. Because it's more forgiving. Yes. Now this is fourth that So the circle around. If you are willing to really, really live by the range that a 28 gauge requires you to live by, by all means, shoot a 28 gauge. In fact, I, th- I may be buying Matt's old TriStar. Oh, um, really? I talked about it from him. Yeah. Even after but all those have, problems he's had, huh? Well, he's going to send it in. He's gonna oh, send okay. It in. So they can That's fix that? I guess. He asked me why I wanted to buy it, and I was like, well, send it in and get it fixed, and we'll mm-hmm. talk. Yeah, but, see, I, that, I was... I actually almost hesitated buying that 28 gauge because of what I was going to look like. Not because, see, four, it was four years ago. I believe it was four years ago. Maybe it was five now. My goodness. It had to have been four years ago. Me, Harrison, my friend here from California, and Matt did those till hunts. That was the first year mm-hmm. that we went out there. And me, none of us had one yet. Me, Harrison, or Matt. And we all three had long conversations about the 20 gauge, all wanting them. Well, or Matt, maybe it was my buddy Harrison had bought, just bought one. And then Matt bought one. I don't know how much longer later, a year or two. I don't, I don't know. He'd have to tell the numbers. And then Harrison got one. And then I finally just got one. But see, I've wanted one from then, but it almost held me back from buying it now because it has become a fad and a trend. And I was like, man, I don't want to look like that. You know, I don't want to look like, (laughs) right. You know what I mean? I've really yeah. hesitated just because of that, even though I've been wanting it for four years. I just hadn't went and bought it. And I'm glad I, 
you know, I don't know. I want to down TriStar. I used to have an over and under TriStar, and I didn't. I just didn't really shoot good with it. It's not that the gun was bad or anything, but anyways. Um, yeah. Well, you should go ahead and get it. Just I mean, if you no, feel I like got that, it. Don't, I'm looking don't, at it oh, right now. You did already get it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. sweet. I bought it like sweet. two months ago. I'm looking at it right now, but I will tell you this. I'm not just taking it out on every hunt. There's specific places and holes that I know I can get them in that range that I'll feel comfortable right. shooting with them. Because to be honest with you, other than that, I don't. There's in California some refuges. I want. I don't feel like I would take it out there because there's so much shooting going on and there's so many people so close to you. you, you you're past shooting. Bottom line, right. you yeah. will not shoot a bird. Those guys that talk about not getting them in the decoys when you're on a refuge where there's thousands of shots going off like World War II, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why we left the boat because now it's like our own world and it's like how I dream of duck hunting should be, you know, because I can get yeah. away from everybody. But yeah. um, you, I'm not going to take a 28 gauge out there. And yes, to shoot birds, I have you have to pass shoot. And that's not how I like to do it, but that's how you, you have to just, that's just what you got to do. Very rare. Very rare. You could go on a weekday on, on a middle of the week hunt on a refuge and there hardly be no one out there because they're at work. That's when you have your best chance. But yeah. other than that, yeah. it's, it's a so different So to make mindset. sure everyone that everyone understands my point clearly because I don't want anyone to take away that I'm anti-28 gauge. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just anti-28 gauge for people that don't have the self-control yeah. to shoot as close to shots that are needed with a 28 gauge mm-hmm. that that's so I I'm fearful if everyone starts using it, it just equals more wounded ducks. Yeah. Right. That's um, all. And I, and that that's so fair. I mean, you can't get any, if that makes anybody mad, I mean, that's just, you just looking for a reason. Because, problem. Yeah. That's, right. that's fair. So yeah, I'm, I don't know how much that 20 gauge is going to come out, but I've always just, there's a few places that I really want to use it. And I think the, the quietness of it, the lack of kick and the, the barrel rise after the shot, just, Multiple things I'm looking forward to it, been wanting yep. to for a long time. Um, let's end this because you got to go get going. Um, what's your plans for this season? And we'll wrap this podcast up. Oh, man, I'm, I've been working really, really hard to find more holes to hunt in Nebraska because I'm only 45 minutes from the Nebraska-Kansas border. Mm. So I've been putting a lot of work into that. And I have come up with two places I'm just really, really excited about. I've had feet on the ground in both those places. And then I've got another couple places that I was texting actually mad about today that I have hopeful. So I, you know, finding new places to hunt is really exciting to it me. It is. And so that's on my mind. Those places are on my and they're they're the Nebraska zones, which open up a week before Kansas. So it like expands the amount of time that I can hunt without driving four and a half hours. Mm. So hmm. um that's kind of on my mind right now. Oh, let me ask you this. This is kind of plans for the season. When does that new site and all that come out for the North American waterfowler? Do you have a date, hard date yet? Uh, no, it's just it, we've got three developers working 10 hours a month each. And it's I, I don't know how quickly they can get it done. Gotcha. And okay. so I'm. we were hoping September 1. Okay, I thought I heard but, that. But I don't think there's any way that's going to happen now. I mean, the, the graphics... The, the gal who's working on the graphics hasn't even started that yet because she's wrapping up some bug issues. And and so, yeah, I hope it's October 1. But I would be just stunned if it was September 1. But wow. I hope it's not November 1. I don't know, man. It's This stuff goes so much slower than you want it to. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> we're like, we want it done so bad. We But we don't have enough. We don't make enough off, off it to have like a full-time employee. 
yeah. I can work 40 hours a week. Yeah. So we get 30 hours. We've gone up from 10 hours a month to 30 hours a month with developers. So we're mm. trying to speed it up. And finding people to work on the stuff is really hard because it's just like a a side deal for right, them. You know, right. it's like, you know, so it's not easy to even find people to work on it because we actually have enough money from stuff to work to have them work more. It's just we can't. That's all they can fit into their schedule. It's driving mm. us crazy. Mm. Okay. And but the the one right now will work in the meantime, correct? And then everything oh, yeah. will transfer mm-hmm. over once it's yep. Okay, freelanceunstats dot com or uh, the app and the app and the website are all connected, so all of the data is shared. And, and once it trans, all the only thing that will happen when it transfers over is it's just going to look different, and then we'll be adding features, uh, okay. more and more features all the time as we go. But but all of the data um, will never go away. And actually. There, you you have the ability to download all your data into a spreadsheet, which I I suggest that everyone does once mm, a year, just because. I do need to do that. But yeah, you can download it into a spreadsheet, or you download it into like a text document, and then you have to upload it into a spreadsheet. But because um, people get kind of worried about that losing their data, which I totally get. But mm. we're not going anywhere. I can promise. Because <laughs> I had this made. I've been wanting to have before I even started the YouTube channel. I talked to my dad about how cool it'd be to have this made. So this has been a dream of myself for uh, for me for. 20 years i've mm. been dreaming about doing this thing just for me i never thought i'd be like offering it to other people right. i never thought i'd get done because <laughs> wow. i just thought it was on a spreadsheet you know wow and now tell everyone where they can find you uh freelance duck hunting on youtube or instagram uh, best place on facebook is fellowship of the duck guns which is our podcast group which we've got up over seven thousand people there now wow. so that thing is doing doing pretty well mm. um yeah those are the best three places also i'm on roku um with that's just duck hunting tv all my videos are on roku if you have a roku device and um oh, android tv it's on there too so awesome lots of places okay well i appreciate you coming on elliot we probably could have talked for about three more hours but yeah oh, yeah we could, <laughs> we could. <laughs> but thanks for coming on thank, thanks, yeah, thanks ev- for having me thanks everybody for listening we'll see you guys on the next one